Hello, sports fans. This is Jeremy Taché, and this is Miami Miked Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. If you haven't tried Cold Blue yet, head over to your nearest Total Wine or select Sam's Club's locations to pick up an ice sculpture bottle. It's the perfect refreshing drink to enjoy on its own or in your favorite cocktails, mojitos, Bloody Marys, martinis, Moscow mules, and more. Cold Blue Vodka is gluten-free, crafted from American-sourced corn, and distilled eight times. Easy to sip on, enjoyable, and the best part, no hangover the next day. I repeat, no hangover the next day. Our friends over at Cold Blue Vodka gave us a promo code for our listeners. Head over to coldbluevodka.com and use the code BALLY20 for 20% off. That's one word, B-A-L-L-Y-2-0, for 20% off your online order. Cold Blue Vodka, redefining the blue-collar lifestyle. Now, let's get to the show. And this is a very, very special episode of Miami Miked Up for me as someone who grew up down here in South Florida watching this man through the beginning of his dominant career as a Florida Marlin. He was Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Star, a member of the illustrious Black Aces Club, a 20-game winner. It's the one and only D-Train, Dontra Willis. <laughs> D-Train, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to spend with us here on Miami Miked Up. No, I appreciate it. Truly honored. Uh Still a big Fighting Fish fan, and I'm rooting for them every step of the way. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, man. Thank you. Seriously. And um, first question for you, what is something outside the workplace, outside of baseball, that has brought you joy recently? Ah, man, that's a great question. Well, first of all, my my, my kids, I have four daughters, and they're absolutely wonderful. And they're also wonderful at asking me for stuff every step of the way. (laughs) So, but uh, also, uh, I'm an avid golfer now, too, which is amazing that I never played golf living in Florida the whole time I lived there. But uh, I live in North Scottsdale now, so I I hit balls all over the place every single day. And I I, I hurt myself more golfing than I ever did pitching. So go figure that. That's how much I love it right now. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you what was something that you picked up, you know, after your career that was something new. So I guess golf is the main thing being out there. You're, so you said you're in Scottsdale in Arizona? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm, cool. I'm in North Scottsdale, probably like a mile away from TPC Scottsdale, where they have the crazy party and all that other stuff. So actually some ex-Marlins, Cody Ross and Aaron Boone, uh, I live next by those guys and they golfed all the time. So I picked up the game and I love it ever since. And I'm losing balls by the day, but I'm losing <laughs> less and less balls each each time I go out so now that I'm down to a five handicap I think I'm somebody hey man that's that's I'll tell you that's a hell of a lot better than I could do I am trash at golf awful awful and it's all because of the top hand of the baseball swing that I cannot right. seem to forget right. how to get rid of at this point figure out how to get rid of but all yeah, right yeah. let's let's dive into some analysis real quick before we get into to your career and and some of our favorite memories of you as a Marlin. I do want to have you put on that analyst hat on the one you okay. wear for Fox sports right now and, and talk about, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the moves that the Marlins made here over the last couple of days, a couple of them right. are just reported. So technically we have to say reportedly they've extended right. Sandy Alcantara a couple of years. That's a five year, $56 million deal for Sandy bought out three years of arbitration. They signed a Garcia four years, $53 million to be an outfielder for them. And they've just traded for the gold glove catcher, Jacob Stallings. That one is official. Uh, They made the move. They traded Zach Thompson and a couple of prospects and Kyle Nicholas and Connor Scott. Just wanted your initial thoughts on these moves that the Marlins have made to tweak their roster. Here as we record it at 3.30 on Tuesday because things could change (laughs) by the time this comes out. 
Well, you know, this is the one thing that I love about baseball, especially the hot stove. I mean, moves and deals and there's money flying everywhere. I mean, so much money that I almost want to get my glove out of the garage and go, <laughs> go play catch again. But, uh, you know, the one thing I love is the Stallings move. I love the way he game calls. I love the way he receives. Not really uh, a guy you know nationally, but I think he's going to be very impactful behind the plate, especially when you're building around this staff of, of – some of the most talented arms I've ever seen. And I put myself out there saying, listen, I play with Josh Beckett. I play with AJ Burnett. These are guys are all talented, but with Sandy and six coming back and Trevor coming back and Lopez, I mean, they have depth and trusted depth. And when you're able to put quality on the mound, it makes the game shorter for Mattingly in that bullpen where they don't have to run out three or four guys a night. You can ride mm -hmm. these horses. And listen, I'm very excited. And this is going to be a tough division. I mean, this yes. is going to be fun. So we're going to see. You <laughs> see the moves that the Mets are making. The world champion Braves are in the division. So, But I think this is going to do nothing but make this staff very uh, a better staff because – Every night is going to be postseason baseball at its finest. So I'm very proud and I'm very excited about this staff. So as long as the staff stays healthy, you can build offense around them and just keep the game short. So I love the signing by Garcia, too. He's going to provide some power. Uh, he can play the corner outfit positions. He'll run into about 25 home runs yep. and stuff. So <laughs> it's it, it, so far so good. I want to see another splash. I know they yep. got Cassianos out there. I know he's been <laughs> in South Florida. I, I like to call them sons of train. You know, Hosmer and all those guys. Oh, they, I love they that. Grew up telling me they watch me and stuff so i'm honored about that so but they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pull out some money jeter and them's gonna have to pull out some money to get castellanos and hopefully they can get hosmer in a trade i'm reading mm. they're trying to get him in a trade as well so they get a couple south florida boys to come down there and provide some spark and get some fans in the seats i think it'd be exciting time hey man that would that would be amazing to get those two yeah. guys down here and like you said guys <laughs> that grew up watching you and specifically let's actually I combine these two things we're talking about. You said you love the the signing or the, or the trade rather for Stallings. And yeah. it's in part because now you've got a gold glove catcher who can help bring up these young pitchers. You were a young pitcher who came up to a gold glove catcher in Pudge right. Rodriguez. <laughs> so how did that help you as a young pitcher? And how do you think it will help this young staff to have a guy like Stallings? You know, the one thing about Pudge is this is game knowledge. I and mean, I think at the time, excuse me, his knock was, he only called fastballs to be able to throw people out at second, which was far from the truth. I mean, he was a studious and he believed in our staff and no disrespect to the Texas Rangers. But if you look at our staff, he was like, I've never had a staff like yeah. this before in my career as far as pure young talent and firepower. So I might have shook Pudge six times the whole damn year. So wow. that's where... The, the, the catching knowledge comes from and the trust. And if you have someone that can receive and throw behind there, it shuts down the running game. And now it causes offenses to really put a bats together to be able to score. And, and with Sandy stuff and with Trevor stuff, I mean, the only thing that beats them is if they get a couple walks and a blast, it's hard for offense to put together quality of bats over and over again against these guys. So mm -hmm. if you have a good game caller back there, I think it's going to be beneficial for the staff and you're going to see them grow. It's just huge because the pitchers don't have to do all the thinking for themselves. I, I don't think people as fans necessarily oh. understand how helpful it is to have someone essentially doing the thinking for you so you can just go out there and use nasty stuff like Trevor and Sandy right. and Sixto and Pablo and all these guys have where they can just go out there and, and play their game. But all right, so so let me move here to, to one other player on this roster because 
For me, the way that I've looked at the Marlins over the last number of years in terms of personalities is there's essentially this pipeline. It was you first. You were the first big, bombastic, young personality that came out. Mm -hmm. After you, it was Jose Fernandez. He was a guy who came out, showed that, like, little league love of the game. And now the guy that's there is Jazz Chisholm Jr. He's the guy. He's the first guy that, that I've seen on this squad since Jose and since you before that who's made fans feel this type of way about a baseball player so I want to know have you have you gotten to know Jazz at all have you ever met him and what are your initial impressions of his game and his personality and how important are these types of personalities to the game of baseball and to a clubhouse well uh first and foremost I haven't got a chance to personally meet him but we've talked over social media and stuff sure. and I love how they all call me OG you know, what <laughs> yep, I mean? like, yep. you know I'm a 39 year old OG and I appreciate that no you Donis um, Haslam man Same yeah deal. exactly exactly yeah. who's my dog by the way but no listen I, I mean he screams Miami I mean he screams from the chains and a different color <laughs> hair the cleat game I, I think it's one of the, the, the things that are hidden gems in South Florida, this, uh, the fans' passion, just the love and the joy. And listen, South Florida, we love flair. Is this mm-hmm. what it is? We love flair. We love swag. The more chains, the better. And listen, <laughs> he's, he's, he's an all-star caliber player. And I challenged him uh, last year. I was like, man, I'm going to need 20 to 25 of them thanks from you. He said, oh, gee, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So, you know, I think he understands like Jose, Jose understood. And I understood that it's like, you want to be part of something special. You want to be the upstart and you feel like, Hey, I have the room to do it and the town level to do that. So I, I'm rooting for him. I'm a big fan. I love his swagger. I think he's going to get better defensively. I see him working his tail off already defensively. The offensive pop is there. The base running skills is there. So the sky's the limit for him, man. So I, I'm really excited to really have a full year under his belt and just stay healthy and go out there and show him what he, everybody can do. Yeah, he's been a blast to watch so far, obviously, mm-hmm. if I'm making any sort of comparisons to the type of guys that, that you and Jose were out there in terms of those personalities. But I want to go back to, to the very beginning for you. You grew up in California. Mm-hmm. You were a fan of the A's. I saw Dave Stewart was was your guy, right. was your favorite player. And and. I can't imagine the impact of growing up watching from ages, what, like five to eight, watching Mm -hmm. Dave Stewart win 20 games and 20 games and 20 games, and the impact of having someone not only there in your town on your team, but a guy who who looked like you, who who could represent you. So could you talk about how representation is important in, in, in helping young kids achieve that dream of, of, of yearning for a major league baseball career? It's everything. It's everything. I remember as a little boy, uh, I think they were playing the Rangers and I got down to where it was like three rolls away. And if you've ever been to the Coliseum, you can almost be like touching the pitcher as he's warming up for the game, which is a cool aspect about the Coliseum. And I remember him walking by and it was almost like a superhero walking by in the sense of like, that's Dave Stewart. And he had this look about him and he had the hat down real low, really focused, really stoic. And at that moment, uh, I made a decision that I wanted to be a major leaguer. There was nothing else I wanted to do. Like, I mean, and you got to understand growing in the, in the Bay area, you know, I'm seven, eight years old. It's battle of the Bay. 
<laughs> you know what right. I mean? So, you know, I mean, I wanted to pitch like Dave Stewart, but hit like Will Clark. So, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so it was this, it was this growing up and CeCe Sabathia can tell you and everybody of our yeah. generation can tell you it was a booming time to play baseball. Everyone was out in the street, mm. you know, playing strikeout. Everyone was at the parks. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's something that you don't really see today's age now, you know, people being at the parks all day, but it was just really cool to see Dave Stewart. And so, you know, he always knew that he was my hero. I was very boisterous about it. So when I got a chance to win 20, man, he showed up to the uh, Negro League Awards and gave out the award to me and didn't even tell anybody he was showing up. He just did that oh. on his own. So it was just really cool, man. And I that's what that I mean about representation. He, you know, it, dreams are good, especially if they're positive. And mm. so if you're able to impact people, man, there's no monetary value for that. 100%, 100% to have leaders who you can look up to. And I know you've been that type of guy for all sorts of kids in this community, I'm sure, as we, yeah. I'm, I'm one of them. I mean, I remember watching you pitch and you were so fun, right? <laughs> Mimicking the mechanics and everything like, yeah. and, and in different ways for different parts of the community, obviously. But let's get into that, actually, your, your <laughs> Marlins career. Because for me, I'm going to sit here and tell you the truth. And I, I mentioned it beforehand, but I, I'm eight years old when you get called <laughs> up. Or I'm about to turn eight years old when you get called up in May of 2003. And I remember being in my third grade class writing uh, little articles that I had for what I was calling ESPN Junior that I was handing out to my class because I was that dork, right? I was that dork who played baseball but already said, I'm probably not going to make the major leagues. I'll, I'll go ahead and be the ESPN guy. So that, that was the thought at the time. Um, and, and I remember it vividly, you coming up and providing a spark. So you're traded to Florida from the Cubs system in 2002. You're called up by May of 2003, and you have immediate success at the big league level. Could you take me back to what it felt like to be D train at 21 years old and thriving. And what was this sort of immediate sprint to success? Um, first of all, like I, I get asked that a lot and I hated it the whole time. And let me, really? let me explain it. Yeah. Because it, it felt like, I'm a team guy. And you can ask anybody that's played with me on the Marlins. Like they'll tell you, it's like Dontrell's all about the team. So mm. as the success started to come and I saw conductor hats and people are whistling, train whistles at me at Publix. I mean, it was surreal. It's really outer body, but I just wanted to be for the team. So I felt like really singled out and I hated when people call me D train. I absolutely hated it. And, no. and listen, and, 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 and I mean no disrespect by it, but it was just like, I, I didn't like, them this talking about me sure, i like sure, our sure. team starting to be at the forefront and you know it was it was crazy because aj burnett who's the one that gave me the name d train he's like dude mm. you're gonna we're gonna go as far as you take us like you have to welcome this and then i started to be more warm to it and you know people stop me and tell me do the leg kick at the grocery yeah. store i do it for it's anticlimactic but whatever Get you know what I mean? it's fun stuff like that yeah just fun but i just was happy that our team was getting the respect that it deserved. You know what I mean? And, and, and credit to our team. I think we responded well. We really turned it around and started playing better baseball. You saw the fans started coming back. It was like 25, 30,000 people when I'm facing Randy Johnson. It was traffic getting to the stadium. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I was happy to be able to be a part of, of something that was an upstart. It was very cool. 
it was so special. Like there was no yeah. time like that. I remember. Oh, please, I don't want to tell you it's not a Santa Claus. I don't hate D Train. <laughs> I was just saying it, 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 it. It's levels to this. Like I just didn't. I, I, I don't take compliments well. So this, that whole thing, and what you talking about, Willis signs? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It, it was a lot. It was a lot for me. Okay, okay. I completely understand not wanting to take compliments. I've been there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I hate it just as much as the next guy. I completely understand. And as a team guy, you don't want to be single yeah. out and particularly you're the young guy right you come up right you're 21 years old you don't want this is a at the time it was a pretty veteran laden team you know a bunch of guys oh, that had huge. come up it was all veterans other than you and miggy cabrera who came up you know a little bit later in the year and so i yeah. was actually going back and looking through the schedule and i'm saying all right Dontrell makes his first start two days later the manager's fired and they bring oh, in crazy 72 year old <laughs> jack mckeon who's old enough to be your grandfather right and you've got yeah, all these yeah. veterans around and it's just you and miggy so you're these phenoms trying to provide a spark what were those relationships like with the veterans and the rest of the squad and, and were there specific guys who kind of embraced you and helped guide you along who who became the friends on the team i was the little brother to everybody like i would literally throw six innings sweat in my suit going to the mcdonald's off of griffin road to our tarmac and getting 40 big macs and 40 fries and i'm serving them to the up to my teammates on the plane so Get they were here, always bro. good about rookie hazing and but like putting their arm around me to be like hey man this is the way we like you so, so this is the way you do things the right way and be a good teammate and prepare yourself so i took it as a compliment man but you want to talk about sweating in a south florida suit i mean i'm sticking to myself <laughs> catching cramps trying to hold these fries up for mark redmond you know what i mean <laughs> and, and, and so you know but i loved every minute of it I, I love I loved every minute of it, but you know Juan Pierre is still to this day one of my best friends. Uh, he took his arm around me, and he's probably one of the, the the nicest. I mean, if you ever get a chance to run across Juan Pierre, he makes myself every time I talk to him feel bad about myself. I mean, <laughs> this is a saint of a man. Derek Lee's great. Mike Lowell's great. I mean, if you look at that roster, and and I talk to people about it. Take away that the black and teal, which I love black and teal. Ooh. It's like, if you look at that roster, those guys left and they still were captains of the Cubs where D, yep. D Lee went to the Cubs. He was a captain. Pudge went to uh, Detroit. He was the leader of their team. All these guys were impactful. We just had a very, very talented roster. And, and, and so everybody loved me, man. And I loved them back. And they always played for me when I was on the mound. It's amazing. It's ama and it's it's something that only baseball, I think, can can encompass in that way, where you've got all these right. veterans sort of rallying around the kid on the mound. Like what what a cool thing for you guys to be able to share. And that was kind of what right. they were doing for everybody. You guys were a really young staff. You were twenty one, I believe Beckett was twenty three, Penny was twenty five, if I have right. that correct at the time in two thousand three. Mm -hmm. So that camaraderie had to be really amazing. And and I wonder, was it was it like was it better for you guys to be that young and not even realize maybe the moments that you were in as you're chasing the wild card and going through, you know, the playoffs against Bonds and then the Cubs right, and then right, the Yankees? Right, 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 it's like right. your kids. You don't even know better, right? You know, it, it's the second half of the season. I felt like South Florida was like, these guys are for real. Like yeah. they're not going anywhere. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, just, it just felt around town like you're waiting for us to kind of go like, you know, one and nine on a road trip, which we did towards yep. the end and we still bounced back. But, uh, but I mean, I just thought they waited, waited for us to falter. And we, that second half, we threw quality and everyone jumped on board and credit to Josh Beckett. I mean, you just saw him grow, I think. And he'll tell you, he's like, 
Dontrell getting the limelight forced us to be better and not but how great is that? Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a compliment. It was like we we I, I not to say they were content with things, but this like. It forced us to be big game hunters. It forced us to play in big situations where, mm. you know, it, earlier in the season they weren't playing well, so it was kind of just going through the motion. So, and it brought us all together, man. That's the only thing I'm proud about. You know, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, the All Star games and all that stuff is fine, but I'm proud that I was able to be one of the blue guys to bring everybody together. And they were always messing with me. They were messing with me on the plane. I would fall asleep. They would take pictures of me on the plane <laughs> they would they're always messing with me but i took it well but you know it it, it it was a very fun loving group we were very tight and uh it was fun to see it all come together it was so clear that you guys all really enjoyed each other's company just when you were mm-hmm. watching the team like it was just it was yeah. obvious on the field and that's coming from a kid who was eight years old watching it and i was right, like right. they look like my little league team like they're having fun yeah. you know and yeah. that was so special and and i'm sure that you're seeing some sim- similarities when you look at all these young starters now and you see the young lefty right. with Rogers and you know, then there's Sandy and Sixto and Pablo. And it, it, for me, it's at least sort of a little bit reminiscent of, of what you guys had going there in 03. But I want my last thing when I, when we, when we stick with 03 here specifically, mm-hmm. if there's one untold story from that season, it's been almost <laughs> 20 years now. I feel like right. we can let anything off the hook. If there's right. one fun untold story that you could think of from the 2003 season to share with Marlins fans. Wow, that is a great uh, question. Uh, I don't want to swear, but this line, this line from Redmond. So I've got the bleep button knows. if we need it. I've got uh, the bleep okay, button okay. if we need All right. it. All right. So uh, this is a true story. So we're obviously on the first base side playing the Cubs, battling back. And you know those games, those games six and seven were historic games. So the Bartman play happens. And when it happens at that moment, it's kind of outer body because you're like, oh, my God, I think Moises had that ball. Credit to Moises, who's my friend. You cannot bring this up to Moises because he will kill you if you bring this up. Because I felt like he had that ball. And we're all <laughs> silent in the dugout. Now, we're all silent. And, and, and credit – to Mike Redman, he jumps up and says, well, hell, let's make that guy effing famous. And so <laughs> everyone just rallies around. And I literally almost no. get a concussion because the dugouts in uh, Chicago are concrete and they're really low. So we all jump up and I almost knock myself out in the dugout, you know what I mean? Because everyone just gets this jolt of energy. And then, as you can see, the bats after that Bartman play, base it, base it, base it. So it was almost like a UM college World Series. Like, everyone just got fired up. And then we just literally stole Chicago's heart. Like, you could just see that the fans were like, oh, my God, there really is a goat. There really is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's these effing Marlins that are going to snatch our hearts (laughs) out. So it was just this him saying that line was kind of like the – battle cry of our whole season basically saying like why not us why not us why not right now and and it really jolted us and it it, it changed the season that's unbelievable you know i think all these years we've all talked about the bartman play over and over and over again and what it did but i don't think anybody ever asked what you guys were actually thinking so it's so funny to know that in the dugout you're like all right yeah let's Let's make that guy famous all right that's wild that's amazing all right well well, thank you for sharing that story all right all right i want to move uh to to your trademark the leg kick right we we talked about the leg kick you said that people had you doing it in Publix. um (laughs) what what i'm most intrigued by and i've i've always just i've always wanted to ask you just as a a student of the game i imagine that start was an evolution 
It didn't, right. you know, become that giant leg kick the first time you tried it. Was that an effort to hide the ball from the beginning? Was that just to throw off timing? What was what was the decision there to create those mechanics that became so iconic that you saw little leaguers across South Florida trying to mimic them <laughs> for a decade thereafter? And, and and you saw me trying to stop them too, by the way, because <laughs> I was getting cussed out. I probably once a week get yelled at by a little league coach, a Babe room coach. About you ruined my kid. Lineup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, no, um, I, I'm uh, if you see me in person, I'm a guy that has my backside on my shoulders, like I can get my wallet almost going like this. Mm. So I'm actually a really long, long guy in a leg sense. I always use that type of leverage for one timing and to get in my power position as best as I can. And like, if you break down my mechanics, when I did the leg kick, I got in all the power positions that normally most pitchers got. It was just that leg kick. And after a while, I I noticed that this, I mean, from a young age, I want to say 15, 16, when I really started to get strong in baseball, Hitters did not like it. No. <laughs> they, just, they just did not like it. They always had this look like, what in the F am I looking at here? Um, and then on top of that, you know, you ask anybody that plays with me, uh, played with me, my ball moves everywhere. So mm. with the deception and with the life, I've probably thrown the hardest 89 you've ever seen in your life to where it just exploded out of my hands. So it was it was a combination of a lot of different things. But, you know, when I got to the big leagues, I was just so hyped up that I just I, I look at some photos now when I'm signed. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what the hell. It, it pains me to look at look at pictures of myself now. But really? uh, no, nah, it, 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 it's 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 a cool and it's a weird thing. And, and like. Even now, people call my daughter, she plays soccer, they call her B-Train. So it's a cool legacy to live. And every time I go to Vegas, someone runs up on me like, dude, do the leg kick, bro. I'm like, all right, all right. (laughs) I don't care. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it it just involved into that. But uh, I'm proud to leave my mark in the game. Yeah, it was absolutely, I mean, it was, yeah, beyond iconic. I know for (laughs) me, like I was, I, I grew up watching you, El Duque, Tim Lincecum, right. Johnny Cueto, all guys yeah. that had these, we're go- Jared Weaver, all guys who yeah, had yeah, like, yeah. we're going to twist, we're going to turn, we're not going to let you see the ball until the last second. And that's something that a lot of pitchers obviously like got to live off of was that type of deception. And like you said, hardest 89 you ever saw because nobody's <laughs> ever able to pick up the ball. You were also a great hitter. Okay, (laughs) 244 lifetime batting average and something I looked up earlier today. Okay, in 2005, which we'll get to the pitching on that in just a second. But 2005, you hit 261 this season in Major League Baseball. Only 80 position players had a better batting average than you had in 2005, which is insane. It's a completely insane stat to think about. So what did you love so much about hitting and I want to know what's your opinion on the universal DH and taking the bat out of pitchers' hands permanently. Uh, you know what? Fans already are giving me crap about it, but I'm not for it. I love seeing pitchers handle the me bat. Too. Me I too. also love the gamesmanship of behind pitchers uh, handling the bat. Do you keep this guy in? Do you mm-hmm. trust him to be able to move over the runner? sacrifice bunts and stuff like that which Juan Pierre we bunted I must add a thousand hundred times yeah (laughs) Yeah, a million times learning how to play the game the right way it's fun man and I can honestly say 
laying down a, a, a good bunt to help your team is just as exciting to me as hitting a home run. So I always love being involved. I've always loved being involved in the game. And, you know, you hear this term, maybe he's a National League guy, maybe he's an American League guy. I always kind of felt I was a National League guy because it just helped me get into the flow and the pace and the tone of the game and stuff like that. So I always loved handling the bat and always took a great deal of pride in it. You know, it's funny what you talk about getting into the game like that. It's why I've always been so impressed by the guys who can stay locked in as designated hitters who are only on the one side of the ball. And they only come up, you know, once every (laughs) few innings. It's unbelievable, like, to be able to stay locked in in that type of game. But, all right, let's go to the 2005 pitching side now because I have an opinion here, which is you should have been – the Cy Young in 2005 and I know you think the same thing 22 and 10 you led the league in wins you had 22 wins you led the league in shutouts that year and you had more wins than Chris Carpenter who ultimately won this award but you played for an 83 win Marlins team you played for a hundred win St. Louis Cardinals team so tell me you believe as much as I do that you should have won Cy Young that year right I, I, I don't need to believe because Chris Carpenter signed me a jersey saying you should have won the Cy Young. No. I still have. Yes. <laughs> Get out listen, of here. Listen, listen, it's all love. And I know Chris personally, man. It, it, was just, um, it was just cool to be part of a race. It was like me and then Roger Clemens and then yep. Chris Carpenter. It was and Roy like Oswald was right underneath yeah, that too. Yeah, right, 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 right. And it's like, you know, they're showing our highlights back to back to back on ESPN to yeah. see the race. So I was just honored to be a part of it, but I was truly, be, you know, winning 20 games and being the only Marlin to do that. Mm-hmm. I was more happy for my teammate because they saw me going on this run. And as it got later in the year, they played a little bit harder for me. And I, no disrespect to the rest of the pitchers on the staff, but I, I could tell they wanted this for me. And so, you know, it was I was honored to, to just be around great teammates that played well for me, you know what I mean? Because to win mm-hmm. 20 games, you need to be good, healthy, and lucky. Yes. So, you know what I mean? So I needed every minute of those guys. But the, the day I won 20 games in Washington, I come in the locker room and everyone just showers me with beer and jumping on me and everybody is excited. And, and it was really one of the cooler moments in my life because it, it definitely took a team effort. But yeah, I still have that damn Chris Carpenter jersey <laughs> somewhere. I'm going to post it on the, on my yeah. social media as soon as I go through my garage. But no, it was a hell of a run and, and he had a hell of a year as well. Yeah, look, look a lot of great pitchers that season. I'm always going to be mad that it wasn't you because, I, man, if I even remember, and I might be wrong, I might be mixing up the years, but I'm pretty sure that year you might have faced Roy Oswalt and hit a homer off of him late in the year in a weird inter- – they might have been in the National League still. I don't even remember. No, I just remember a homer at Minute Maid Park at the time. They were in the National League, but no. It I wasn't Oswalt? A home run off. No, I, I hit a home run against them. I hit two home runs in Houston. Yeah. So I, I, I hit a home run, but no one could hit off Roy Oswalt. Oh he was God. absolutely nasty. The best. He was nasty. He threw me He threw me a 97-mile-an-hour fastball and, and then like a 76 breaking ball, and I started laughing. He was laughing, <laughs> too. So much respect to Roy. He's probably on a tractor in Mississippi last time I talked to him. <laughs> but uh, he knew he knew I was trying to take him deep, and he wasn't going to give me anything to hit. Man, the, oh, gosh. <laughs> just bringing up all these names from that era is just- <laughs> bringing me so much happiness right yeah, now. I no absolutely doubt, no loved doubt. it. Well, okay, 
right, all right. Yeah, and and to say, by the way, you may end up being the only 20-game winner in Marlins history if if baseball continues to go at the rate that it does where, right. with guys not pitching so deep into games. And that's that's part of the gamesmanship you were just talking about, right? Knowing when right. to pinch hit, you know, hitters being involved, that type of deal. So, you know, j- just to, to, to leave that out there for you, maybe something to have on, think, on the resume. I, 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 I'm hoping Sandy can that's do the guy, it. And right? the reason, and, and, and because he's so efficient with mm-hmm. that sinker, it's like – how does a guy manipulate the baseball at 97, Amazing. 99 miles an hour? I mean, his changeup is harder than my fastball, which I think is beautifully obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but he he's such a talent, and I think he's earned that currency in that locker room with yeah. Don Mattingly to be like, look, man, this is your game. Like, you, you're going to have to go up against the Max Freeds and, and yep. the DeGroms, and we're, you're going to have to pitch in those one nothing games and stuff. And he thrives on that. So I think it was a hell of a signing for him. I think they actually, the Marlins stole him because if he keeps on this track, I mean, they got him at a discount. But I think he's one guy that, that they score for him. He can get up there. Not a ton of Bulldogs left in the game. He's one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I want to, all right. I do want to take you through a, a couple of, of sort of down moments here, and the one being yeah, yeah, yeah. when you left the Marlins. Uh, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about this infamous trade. Obviously, you were a star down here. You got Miguel Cabrera, who was an obvious future Hall of Famer at the time. Absolutely. You've both won a World Series, and you're traded to Detroit. Could could you take me through the emotions of that time and, and what was going through your head when that trade goes down? I was in Cabo, just checked into my hotel, and I see my face on the TV and can't understand a word that's being said about me. So this is a true story. So my agent agent took uh, Josh Hamilton, me, a couple other guys, and we always go on a trip. And so I literally just landed, and my agent's been on the phone the whole time. He's like, you and Miguel just been traded. So I haven't even got my margarita yet uh, before I figured out that. I got traded and um, it wasn't my first time being traded. It's sure. just surreal. It's, it's an outer body experience. Um, the Tigers at the time, look, you know, you get the best player, you know, in the game at that time. And mm-hmm. then they, they threw in me for some balls and just take Willis with you too. But uh, no, but it, it's, uh, I don't know no, about all that. It, yeah. But it, it was surreal, man. It, it was surreal. And, 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 uh, uh, life-changing, obviously, and so, you know, but we were excited to go up there and just, you know, uh, uh, play good baseball. He did. I did, but he mm. did, so I just rode his coattail the whole time, but uh, I'm just so, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of him and, and the man he's become, and, you know, I, I knew since A-ball that this dude was going to be a Hall of Fame, so I, I'm not surprised at anything that he's done, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a good run for him. We just wish we would have won for him for Mr. Illich down there. He was a good man. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a, uh, it, it was certainly a shocker for all of us. It was not something any right. of us were excited about when you guys were gone. And not only fan favorites, but great players. And so, you know, from a fan perspective, it wasn't fun. And, you know, it's a yeah. business, though. And, and that, that was when mm-hmm. I learned it as a child, that it was a business. Yeah. That, was, that was the moment. Um, I do want to talk to you about something. I, I was doing some reading earlier, just mm-hmm. making sure that we were all caught up on everything. And, and I, I came back across... Um, your your placement on the disabled list in 2009 with an anxiety yeah. disorder. We don't have to delve yeah, yeah. into this if you don't want no, to. No, no, it's um, fine. Yeah, all right, yeah, cool. Fine. So yeah. you were placed on the disabled list with an anxiety disorder. And unsurprisingly, from reading some of the coverage from 2009, 
it was not covered the way that it would be covered today, nor were right. I think you treated with the respect that you should have been in that Absolutely. moment. Um, could you take me through, because I, I am someone, I'll openly say right here, I'm someone who's yeah, dealt yeah. with anxiety. Um, I've dealt with some depression and it can be a very isolating experience. And I imagine in, right. a, in a team sport in the limelight that that must've been what it was like for you. Could, could you take me through what that was like for you and, and maybe what it's like now seeing the way that our conversations around mental health and sports have at least evolved? It's not perfect, but it's taken a step in the right direction. Well, first and foremost, I'm very proud of the athletes, the men and the women that have put themselves in the forefront of the last couple of years to really be open and honest uh, 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 of, of talking about this and putting it on a table and putting the, their lives on the line as far as like, you know, saying, hey, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say I am. But this is something that I'm working on to one, be a better human for society. So mm. uh, kudos to them. Um, I think at that time, you know, the, the thing I told them, I said, I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And they were shocked that I said that. So that's how mm. even that discussion started coming up. And, you know, if you know me well, like I'm a guy that tries hard and dies hard. You know what I mean? And, and yes. that's fine. You know what I mean? I've always been that type of guy. I didn't have so much fear of facing Nelson Cruz in the sense of that. I just, I just wanted something so bad and the harder I fought, the worse it got. So it's almost like being in quicksand, if yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? So I would literally walk eight guys in a game, go in the tunnel, and throw a whole bucket of BP balls. And there's, there's, there's got to be at least 150 balls in there to the point where, like, my teammates would grab me and be like, Trey, you got to like, you got to chill out, man. Like, right. you know what I mean? You got to chill out. But so that's where that came from. And, 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 and obviously, if this happens – 10 years forward, maybe it, the discussion would be a little different and the, the habits would be a little different and how they would, you know, use me and, and yeah. to get help would be a little different. But it's a weird thing because I go to Cincinnati. I actually, you know, bounce from Arizona, from Detroit and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I go to Cincinnati and all of a sudden, you know, I'm throwing strikes in the minor leagues. And so then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I guess he's got anxiety in check. It's like, oh, no, not really. I'm just you know, at peace with certain things. So life is weird. Life is weird that way, man. And, and I, I wouldn't change anything I've gone through because yeah. now that I help young players, I can tell when somebody's spinning on the mound. I can tell when somebody's struggling mentally. I, I, I can tell it's like, Hey man, there's nothing you can't tell uncle train that I haven't been through. You know what I mean? So that's I, I like, yeah, I like being that kind of guy to help other people and, and that's what we're here for, man, to help each other, you would think, you know, so I'm all for it. 100 percent. It's all about treating other people with kindness and, and, right. and helping in any situations you can. And, you know, it's what you said is is it's the ultimate competitor move. It's yearning for perfection. And when you're mm -hmm. when you're sort of raised to as a competitor, be as perfect as you can be and put in perfect right. reps and try to have perfect results. You're right. It's not sure the anxiety of facing Nelson Cruz in an individual moment isn't there. It's the overwhelming of I've got to be I've got to be perfect. I've got to be great. Yeah. I've got to be dominant here. And so I'm, I'm glad that that those moments are helping you now yeah. teach younger players how to cope with those sorts of things. And, th and that's really wonderful. And this will actually be my last question for you, Dontrell. I I won't call you D-Train. Thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> no here problem. to, no, to okay. do all of this. The last one is no just other than being a baseball player, what would you say is your personal identifier? So who is Dontrell Willis off the field outside of the TV studio? 
That is a great question. Um, the same guy you see now. I love that. <laughs> the, the, the same, like, and uh, once a day I get approached by people, and whether it be at my country club or at Fox Sports or, or, or anywhere, any form, you'll, you'll be able to tell. It's like, you know, I wear everything on my sleeve. I, I, I believe that there's enough air for all of us in that sense of like, I want to see everybody happy. You know what I mean? But yeah. if I see some BS, I'm going to come down on you just like I would expect <laughs> to be come down on. You know what I mean? I, I'm fair in that sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm an American. So, you know what <laughs> I mean? That's how it works here. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, you know, I, I'm the same, I'm the same guy. I've always been, I, I, you know, credit to my friends and my family for keeping me grounded. You know, I knew I was in trouble in Detroit when, uh, my family stopped picking me for the fantasy league. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute now, man. Come on, guys. No. I'm paying your bills and you're not saying, nah, I'm not just gonna pick on you, Trail. That's you know what hilarious. I mean? So, but that's you know, that's that that's me, man. Like I I dish it and I can take it and 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 uh you know I do truly wish everybody the best. So, you know, I just a guy that just loves to have fun and see people happy and love being a dad. Well, it has been an absolute joy to get to talk to you today. You. This has been one of the coolest experiences for me professionally, personally. You got to pick better heroes, so, man. You come on, man. This heroes. is cool. Get out of here. Come on. We just had this wonderful conversation. This was great. I appreciate it. D-Train, thank, thank you. you so much. I'm calling you D-Train. I have to. I have no. It's by default. Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time. And thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Miami Mic'd Up. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Mic'd Up with me. Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. <laughs>